and welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about season two, episode 20, Go Fish. Oh, more shirtless Xander. More shirtless Xander. Xander in a Speedo. My favorite Xander. No, that's not true. I know. Hyena Xander will always be my favorite Hyena Xander, yes. Yes. Okay. But I do have a semi-random announcement. Um, So remember how in the Phases episode, we talked about how people speculated that one of the creator's influences might have been Werewolf by Night? Mm -hmm. Well, it has since been announced that Disney Plus will be adapting Werewolf by Night as a Halloween special. Oh, that's fun. So yeah, they're gonna they're gonna do the cheesy Marvel werewolf comic. And um one of the actresses from The Nevers, which is another show by the creator, is actually going to be in it. Oh cool. So it it does show. all kind of tie together. I saw the I saw the press release on that yesterday and I was just like, yes, cheesy werewolf comics being made into television shows. I know. You need we we need more cheesy werewolf situations. We do. Oh, and speaking of werewolves, since we're just on it, um, Peacock's Wolf Like Me is utterly fantastic. We have the last episode to go. It starts out as this like serious relationship rom-com and then bam, werewolves, werewolves. I need to, I I need to watch that. I need to watch that. And it's Josh Gad and Isla Fisher. So come on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I saw a preview for that and I'm like, Yes, give me Josh Gad and Isla Fisher in a rom-com with, boom, werewolves. Yeah, so it's it's utterly fantastic. I love it. But yes, yeah, so that's it for the announcements. So let's get into this. Ooh. Uh, go Fish. Air date, May 5th, 1998. Uh, our synopsis is Buffy fishes for clues when several oh. <laughs> swim team members die, while Xander fears he's the next catch of the day. <laughs> that, I appreciate all that. <laughs> that. That was too many fish puns. Too many. Too Mary, many puns. Mary, Mary's face. There was a lot of pain when she had to read those puns i think the next time the next time you have a description with that many puns you need to let me read it because that's my thing oh do not worry i will (laughs) so a few things about this episode one this is the first episode written by david fury and was actually a collaboration with his wife two this is another one of those episodes that got moved around a lot originally designed to come before angel reverted to angelus and that's why even though we're moving closer and closer to the finale angelus is barely in it mm-hmm. and three remember how we promised you this would be a fun episode about boys and yeah, speedos we kind of forgot Yeah. Um, So there are some heavy underlying themes to this episode, which we'll talk about more as we go on. But just a quick warning, um, sexual assault lightly. It feels weird to say lightly, but lightly figures into this. So again, if that is something that you are not comfortable with, we'll see you at the coming. Yeah. Yeah. This again, rewatching this episode, I was looking forward to, you know, boys in Speedos. I'm still a teenage girl at heart. Oh, yeah. So if I see boys in Speedos, I am still that teenage girl. Mm-hmm. Especially and let's, also, let's, let's also remind ourselves that these these boys in Speedos are actually men of age in this episode. So we're not. Yes, we to. were teenagers. We were teenagers. They were in their 20s. They were in their 20s. <laughs> 
So all these actors are older than we are. So I feel this, like this is not weird. I just really felt like I needed to. Yes. Yes. Elaborate on that. <laughs> so what are international titles? Okay. So this week we have in Armenian fishing. And I say it like that because it's fishing with an exclamation point. Love it. Love the enthusiasm. Czech is fishing without the exclamation point. Finnish water beasts. French, and again, I'm going to say this one in French because I love the sound of it. Les hommes poissons, which is the fishmen. Okay. German, the secret of the fish monsters. Oh, I do like that. That sounds very mysterious. Yes. Hungarian, like fish in the water. Another exclamation point. I like the people who are very enthusiastic. Yes. Actually, all of the, like, most of these are, are in, from all the different languages. So we have Italian, the DNA of the champion. Okay. Japanese is also pretty good. <laughs> this one's oh, just no. funny. This one's funny. Fish counterattack. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Polish is splash. Okay. Portuguese, let's go fish. Does it really have a question mark? It has a question mark. That's amazing. <laughs> Romanian is fishing. Russian is on fishing. Spanish from Spanish from Latin America, like fishes in the water. That almost sounds like a soap opera title. Yes. Like sands through the hourglass, like fishes in the water. Some <laughs> mermaid soap opera. And Spanish from Spain is scaly matter. Oh, I'm not sure which one I like the best. I think it's the secret of the fishmen. Secret of the fish. Secret of the fish monsters. Secret of the fish monsters. It just it sounds so very mysterious. Yeah, I do like fish counterattack though. That one is good. <laughs> that's our that that's our Japanese friends coming through again with just a great title. We do get our Slayer spiel back this week for what I believe is the final time. Yes, I think so. And after that, it's off to the beach where a victory party is in full swing. And since it is night season, Xander, Cordelia, and Willow are all gathered around a fire trying to keep warm. Xander thinks the whole night season thing makes this makes having a victory party at the beach a bad idea. <laughs> it's nippy, or so says his nips. <laughs> Willow thinks it's festive, and Cordelia reminds them that it was the team's choice. Team... Swim team. Xander remarks that the swim team barely counts as a team. The Yankees, Abbott and Costello, <laughs> those are teams. I'm just like, the, the Yankees? Really, Xander? I know. Really? You, live in, you live in California and you're choosing the Yankees. Uh, also, Abbott and Costello, a.k.a. Bud Abbott and Lou Costello, which for all you Buffy fans who are also DC fans, you might recognize as being the inspiration for the names of Harley's hyenas. Mm-hmm. They were a comedy duo whose work in the 1940s and early 1950s made them extremely popular and one of the highest paid entertainment acts of their time. Their most famous bit is Who's On First? Oh. And it is considered to be one of the greatest comedy routines of all time. You know what? It is. It's And it's one of those things where you just find yourself doing it. Oh, yeah. Every so often. Due to overexposure and changing tastes in comedy, their popularity began to wane around the mid-50s, and the duo broke up soon after. But the thing I really like about the show referencing Abbott and Costello is that they have a whole series of movies mm -hmm. where the two of them run into the various universal monsters. Those are some of my favorite movies, because you have these serious monsters, like because they were very serious in their original movies. Yes. So then you get them... With Abbott and Costello, 
And it just turns into a comedy. And it's so funny because the monsters and that side of it, they're playing it very seriously. Like Michael Caine in The Muppet Christmas Carol? Like Michael Caine in A Muppet Christmas Carol, yes. Completely going for it, balls to the wall, while these guys are doing their thing. Yes. And so while there's no movie where the two meet the creature from the Black Lagoon, which is a clear inspiration for this episode and something we'll talk more about later. Mm-hmm. The creature did make an appearance on the duo's television show prior to the release of one of the sequel movies. Anyway, <laughs> fun little fact. A member of the team walks by and Xander says last month he was a nobody, the guy with jicama breath. And now just because he wins a few meets, he suddenly inherits the cool gene. Cordelia asks if Xander is jealous and he just kind of scoffs. Cordelia continues to say that her cheerleading squad wasted a lot of pep on losers. It's nice to excel at something for once, which is when Willow brings up their high mortality rate. They're number one. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> a ways off from the others, Buffy sits huddled on a rock washing the ocean. A guy, Cameron, comes up behind her and says, it's beautiful. The ocean. Maternal, too. He begins talking about how the ocean is like the ultimate mother, a life giver. <laughs> Buffy responds that she was just going to go with it's big and wet. <laughs> He takes a seat beside Buffy and tells her how once a week he and the other guys come out and train in the ocean. Swim against the current. Buffy says she often feels like she's doing the same. And hey, Buffy doesn't seem to be hating talking to this cute and for the moment, (laughs) seemingly normal dude. For the moment. They're never normal. No. Which is good because when she asks him what he wants to do now that he's won the state semifinals, he says he wants to hang out with her, get to know her. She says he may want to pause that. But he says no pressure. He just wants to talk. The first time I saw this episode, I had so much hope for Cameron. I know. But he ultimately let us down. They all do. And why? Because like Cordelia and Willow say in phases, he's a guy. He is a guy. Yeah. He's also played by Jeremy Garrett, who prior to being on Buffy, played Todd Wilkins in the Sweet Valley High television show. Oh, yeah. Their moment is interrupted by cries for help, and Buffy turns to see Jonathan being harassed by several members of the team. I'll leave Jonathan alone. Ah, Poor Jonathan. Poor Jonathan. One of them, Dodd, holding his head in a bucket of ice water and telling them if he's going to be on the swim team, he needs to hold his breath longer than that. She's immediately there, breaking up this little torture session and mocking Dodd for his shark (sighs) tattoo. What? Were they all out of Tweety Birds? He asks what her problem is, and Cameron, siding with Buffy says Dodd had it coming. Dodd tries to get in Cameron's face, but he's stopped by another member of the team, Gage. Gage saying they should take a little walk. Gage is played by the ever-fabulous, amazingly talented Woodworth Miller. Uh, While best known for his role as Michael Schofield in Prison Break, he's also been on shows like Popular. So, hey, that's two people from Popular in Mm -hmm. a row. And The Flash slash Legends on Tomorrow in which he plays Leonard Snart, a.k.a. Captain Cold, who is one of Panda's favorites. Yeah. She she thoroughly enjoys how sassy he is. Yeah, yeah. Snart is definitely, definitely up there. Uh, This, however, was Wentworth's first on-screen acting role. And we are proud of him. He, Yes, because he was apparently completely overwhelmed the entire time, said he just did whatever it took to keep (laughs) up with everybody else. Yep. The two bullies depart and Buffy goes to help Jonathan some more, offering to help him find a towel. But he doesn't want her help and says he could have handled the situation without her. As he storms off, Buffy turns to Cameron. See? Hanging out with her is fun. (laughs) Down by the water, Dodd and Gage actually take a little walk. Dodd doesn't get Buffy and says she seriously gives him the creeps. 
But it's gauge. <laughs> I speak pot calling the kettle black much. <laughs> but as Gage continues on, Dodd stops staring out at the water. Almost like something out there is calling to him. He takes off in some direction and the focus changes to Gage who wants to know what is that foulness? Apparently there's a not so pleasant aroma in the air. Could it be the stench of hot steaming skin? <laughs> because that's what we see next. That's, that's exactly what it is. Gage heads back to the party, unsure of where Dodd disappeared to, and we see a skin suit laying on the ground. Dodd's skin, to be exact. <sighs> a gill-like monster creeping into the sewer tunnels. Ugh. Credits. Oh, yeah, this this episode, again, we, we promised you lighthearted, a lighthearted time, and we lied. I'm sorry. We for, we just we just forgot. You know, we you 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 push stuff into the back of your mind and you forget just how wild it is. We return from the credits to computer class. Willow walks around and the students work on their pie charts. All except for Gage, who is sitting in back, playing a game of solitaire, the cards on the screen seeming to have naked ladies on them. <laughs> when Willow points this out to him, he asks what her point is. No point, just... The bell rings and the students begin to depart, including Gage. Snyder enters and congratulates Gage on his performance at the meet the previous day, telling him to keep it going. He then approaches Willow and asks how everything is going. Class in order? She starts to say something, but he cuts her off. Great. He's been talking to the board and it seems they're having trouble finding a competent teacher this late in the game. Well, yeah, isn't school over in like two weeks? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Would she mind continuing to sub through finals? Really? She'd love to. She loves teaching. Isn't that nice? Aw. Snyder says she's a team player. And he likes that because team players want everyone on the team to win. Oh, we're getting somewhere. He tells her that he hears there's been some trouble with Gage. Yes, yes, there has. Behavioral issues as well as abysmal work and test scores. Well, make that no test scores as he never seems to show up for the tests. (laughs) Snyder doesn't care about all that. What he cares about is why Willow would stick a member of the one good team Sunnydale has with a failing grade. A grade that could possibly lead to his removal. Is that how she shows her school spirit? Yes or no. (laughs) She's just trying to grade fairly. Gage is a champion, under more pressure than the other students. Snyder thinks they need to cut him some slack. As he starts to leave, Willow asks if he's telling her to change his grade. He never said anything about that. He just thinks if Willow checks her figures again, she might find that Gage actually earned a grade more fitting for an athlete of his caliber. Something like a D. So I want to talk about this, obviously. Yes. But it's going to get so much worse. Yes. So we're going to wait a scene or two, and then we're going to talk about it. <laughs> yes. Yes. We, we, yes, we'll get there. In the hall, Willow walks to class along with Xander and Cordelia. Okay, quick question about Willow's schedule at the moment. Yes. <laughs> well, Willow is very bright and soon to be the brightest witch in Sunnydale, she's not actually Hermione and does not have a time turner. <laughs> I, I was actually just about to say, she has a time turner, Mary. <laughs> so how is she teaching all of Jenny's classes and attending her own? There's no way she has that many free periods in a day. Um, I am going to say that because she is as bright as she is. Her teachers she, are allowing her to do any classes she has to miss, like, independently. Yeah, yeah, there's there's probably some sort of thing that is arrangement that was made. Yeah, I guess especially because, since she's helping out the school, they're gonna have to. Yeah, she's she because she's she does have great grades. She is a good student. She is so for somebody like Willow, they are going to give her a little bit more leeway to do things. 
Anyway, they walk to class and Xander can't believe that Snyder asked Willow to change Gage's grade. Willow says he did, except for the whole asking part. But he was very clear in what he was not asking her to do. Yeah. Yeah. Xander says that's not fair, that there are many students like him that study and work hard to earn those Ds. (laughs) Cordelia explains that some people are just different. They're winners. And so there are different rules for them. This kind of echoes her sentiments from Ted, where she thought Buffy, as a sort of superhero, should also have her own rules. Yes. And what about that all men are created equal thing? Total propaganda. And have they (laughs) seen Lincoln? That mole? Willow points out that the phrase was actually from Thomas Jefferson. (laughs) Owned slaves, remember? Now, when watching this scene, Mm -hmm. you'll notice that the movement of Cordelia's mouth isn't quite right. Yes. That's because the original line that goes here is owned slaves. Got any more? I'm not sure why they ended up dubbing that over, yeah, but they did. Yeah, I don't. That That is a little odd. Xander says the thing that really grates his cheese is that Buffy's not there to be outraged with him over swim team perks. <laughs> She's too busy being one of them. Cue Cameron's car pulling into the Sunnydale High lot. Buffy and Cameron inside. It's clear from the conversation we joined them during that Cameron has spent this whole drive talking about his feelings on the ocean. Mm-hmm. And Buffy has spent the whole drive wishing he would talk about something else. And wishing she could just jump out of the car. She's kind of over it, as in the script describes how her brain is dribbling out. <laughs> and so begins on the whole, gee, gotta go thing. Talking about how nice it was to just talk or in her case, listen to someone for there to be no pressure. But really, she should probably... Cameron asks if she's wearing a bra. And what? Where the fuck did that come from? Buffy's just as confused and disgusted as we are. <sighs> yes. And Cameron tells her that she can't say she hasn't been thinking about this since last night. The only thing she's thinking about is getting out of the car. She goes to open the doors, but Cameron locks them, telling her to relax. He's not going to hurt her. (sighs) Oh, it's not her she's worried about. Oh, no, no, no. And so she likes it rough then. He goes to touch her. And what have we said? Do not touch Buffy without her express permission. Do not touch anyone. Nope. Without their express permission, but especially Buffy. Nope. Especially, especially someone that you know... I mean, she she gets in trouble for fighting. You know, she has a reputation for getting into fights. So what are you expecting? Touching, again, touching any girl, but touching a girl that you know can beat your ass. Grabbing his arm, she slams him first back into the seat and then forward into the steering wheel, breaking his nose. Good job, Buffy. It's a move unfortunately seen by Snyder, who points to Buffy before making a follow me motion. Oh, fuck. And I know, I know, we're all dying, but there's one more part we got to get to first. Oh, yeah. Talk about this. Yeah, yeah. The nurse's office. Creating a cold pack, she hands it to Cameron for his nose before going back to her desk. I'm so angry. Across the room, Buffy argues her case to Snyder. She was not the attacker. She was the attacked. Yes, well, that wasn't how it looked to him. Ugh. Cameron says he doesn't know what happened. First, she leads him on, and then she goes schizo on him. This causes Buffy to begin to approach him. Lead him on? When did she ever lead him on? He simply points to the way she's dressed. The way she dresses in general. That's when the coach enters. Snyder wants to know how it's looking. Turns out Cameron's nose is not broken, but it's going to stink for a few days. No, not that. Snyder wants to know about their chances of winning the championship. Can they still do it? The coach says he's going to need Cameron back at 110%. He's his best swimmer, especially with Dodd. Buffy wants to know what happened with Dodd, but Snyder says it's none of her business. 
and that she better hope Cameron's nose heals before the meet on Friday. Oh, fuck everything. The coach then instructs Cameron to hit the steam room as soon as he's done in there. Keep his sinuses clear. He tells the nurse, Ruthie, to take care of his boy before telling Buffy to dress more appropriately. (sighs) This isn't a dance club. Then together, he and Snyder leave. Realizing he's won the situation, Cameron smirks. Okay, just two seconds to talk about who plays the nurse and the coach, and then we can rant. Yes, yes. Because cool. Yes, yes. Because I love, I love, you know, you gotta love a good character actor. Yes. So the nurse is played by Conchata Farrell. I love her. And the coach is played by Charles Cipher. Yep. Two people who have been on television since the mid-70s, and two people who have been on almost everything. Oh, they're so good. While most recently known for playing the housekeeper Berta on Two and a Half Men, Conchata has been on everything from Maude to ER to Aaron Brockovich and Edward Scissorhands. Yep. Likewise, Charles has been on The Six Million Dollar Man, The Betty White Show, Hill Street Blues, and was even in the most recent Halloween movie, Halloween Kills. So if you think either of them look familiar, that's why. That's what I always, that's what I love about character actors, because when you see them, you know them from somewhere. Mm-hmm. They've been on one episode, but you just, you just know who they are. You've, you've, everybody has at least seen one thing with this person. Yep. All right, let's get serious oh. now. Okay, rant time. So so much to unpack here. Yes. And I I had a moment of like, where do I begin? But I know, how about it's not the female's responsibility to control (sighs) male thoughts and desires. And that is, that is forever, forever what I hate about the whole, there's one thing to have a dress code. Yes. That's fine. But when you take the dress code and you make it to be about not, distracting the boys yes and it's it's offensive also to our boys because it is melting them down into these wild these wild animals so and and i'm i'm coming from the perspective of somebody who is raising a boy yes so we teach our boys that we teach consent that's Mm -hmm. what we do so when you we have to give them more credit we like do. We have to like, and and also like, because I know, I know, when in my high school, we we didn't really have a lot of issues with that. I mean, Mary, you went to an all girls school, so I did. <laughs> yes, I I went to an all girls school, so our dress code was more just you know looking yeah. nice. We never really, and I know I talked about this before. I mean, we still. I mean, we had male teachers, so I'm sure some of it was like you can't yeah. roll your skirts up because like we don't want people seeing your underwear when you bend over. Yeah. Yeah. There, you know, there is certain things like a dress code is fine. Like you don't want to see your underwear. But like I went to like we anybody who is dress coded at our school, it had to be extreme for somebody to be dress coded. So mm-hmm. we weren't I went to one of those high schools where we could show our shoulders. We could do you know, we we weren't we weren't punished mm-hmm. for every little thing. So I am forever grateful that you know i i i grew up in a school where we didn't have to worry too much about that i mean yeah there there are some things that were extreme that were like okay you need to you need to tone it down but we weren't pulled from class we weren't punished like someone's like here's a t-shirt please put this on you know something like that so it's so this whole thing that you shouldn't dress provocatively like it's not a club like oh my god so much. But you know what? And this show is doing it in a fantastic way where 
we are acknowledging that it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the, the whole thing, like the dress code and his moving in on her in the car and the grades, it the whole thing just reeks of that older male entitlement. Mm-hmm. In the whole, like they said, the whole setup. And and yes, some of it could probably still carry over if the swim team was female, like the grades yeah. and such. But that's never the case. Or oh, I, no. mean, I mean, I shouldn't say never the case. It's rarely the case. Very because rarely. even when there are female athletes, they're never given the same respect and status and perks as the no, male ones. No, the female, female athletes. And when you have when you have schools that have, you know, female teams, they are always treated as lesser. Yeah. Yes, they may be female athletes. Yes, they may be participating in this, but it's always the male athletes that are getting all of that. I mean, and look, look, whenever, whenever you get it, whenever you get something where a girl wants to play on the boys team. Yeah. It's just, ugh. and it's still, it's still treated that way. It's absolutely, yeah, no, this has not changed from the nineties at all. And I, and I have it up in my notes in like the dress code section. This is an issue we're still dealing with. Yeah. This has not in 30 some odd years, almost. This has not changed. One of the things that always bothers me is when people say that children need to learn how to dress because they're going to be going into the workplace. Mm -hmm. Let them be teenagers. Yeah. You know, like, like, let them, let them, like, we, we talk about our kids growing up too fast. But then we're saying things like, well, they need to learn how to dress for when they're in the workplace. These are teenagers. They are not going to be in a workplace where there's going to be some kind of dress code, probably for years. Yeah, no one with any common sense thinks you're going to dress for a job like you dressed in high school. And college is going to just ruin all that anyway, because they're going to go to class in their pajamas. That's what I was just about to say. By doing this, when people, when, when kids are in high school, that's how you get kids who rebel so much in college. Yeah. yeah like, it's just, it's just so dumb. It's just dumb. Ugh. Like, yes, there has to be some sort of limit, but don't try to use the excuse that they need to learn how to dress because they can't dress like that in the workplace. They know they're not going to be able to dress like that in the workplace. Exactly. Like, Except you get my workplace where I'm allowed to wear leggings and... <laughs> and then you get a situation like we're all in now and I wear my pajamas every day because I'm home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah. But yeah, no, when I'm in the office, I understand that I have to wear like, yes, I wear yoga pants because they're comfortable, but they're black pants. I don't yeah, exactly. wear like the leggings. That's how, yeah. Well, that's what... And yeah. I wear oh, those I wear, with like... I wear black... I wear black leggings. I wear black like... <laughs> I, mean, I wear like leggings. Yeah. yeah, I wear like leggings like <laughs> when I wear like dresses or skirts mm -hmm. sometimes just because I I like that look. I will forever yeah. be a nineties child. I like my leggings yeah. and my boots under a dress. Yes. Yep, yep. But like, yeah, I wear black yoga pants and like they're mostly fandom related tops, but like the nice like tunicky yeah. top. Like I know people with common sense know how to dress for their job. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And when you like you just you figure it out. It's like you just you, you don't want kids to grow up so fast, but then you try to tell them that they need to dress like they're at work. Like, first of all, if you're dressing like you're at work in high you're school, you're dressing like Cordelia. You're dressing like Cordelia, or you're dressing like Revenge of the Nerds, and you're gonna get teased anyway. So, like, just let kids go. Mm -hmm. I like how it started as a rant about. <laughs> And people who, if they're still with us, they know how our rants go. Yeah, yeah, they're used to it. There'll be more of a, a mini rant later because who at the end of this episode as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
Okay, let's just get to shirtless Xander. Let's just get to, we're, we're working on it. <laughs> in the library, Buffy's about as worked up as we are, going oh. on a tangent about how it's not fair that she was painted as the baddie just because he has a sprained wrist and a bloody nose and she has not a scratch on her, which granted doesn't look good. But still, just because Cameron is on the holier-than-thou swim team who by the way, has been acting real. She stops as she realizes everyone is kind of tuning her out. Right. So what's new with them? Um, okay. Wasn't Xander just ranting about the swim team 20 minutes ago? And Buffy yeah. is kind of standing there telling them she was just almost sexually assaulted in the school parking lot. Right? I feel like they should care more than this. I get yeah. you're distracted by what we're about to talk about, but come on, guys. <laughs> Yes, she just defended herself from being sexually assaulted. Giles tells her some remains were found on the beach that morning. Human remains. Dodd's remains. Vampire? No. Giles tells her that he was eviscerated. Nothing left but skin and cartilage. To which Xander replies, in other words, this was no boating accident. (laughs) Which is a reference to Jaws. Jaws. I love it. 1975 thriller directed by Steven Spielberg about a sleepy little summer resort town that ends up being terrorized by a great white shark. It is pretty much the prototypical summer blockbuster, won several awards, and was the highest grossing movie of the time right up until Star Wars unseated it in 1977. And of course, the most famous thing about Jaws, more than any clip, image, or quote, is the theme music, which was composed, of course, by John Williams. Side note, uh, this is also the movie my mom would take with us to the beach every summer because we're those people. We sit <laughs> at the beach and watch Jaws. <laughs> John Williams is the soundtrack to our lives. Yeah, he really is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I and I, I was just thinking about the uh, the Jaws segment of the ride the movies at Universal Studios. Yes, that old. <laughs> Old, the old shark. <laughs> oh, shark. That's gone now, at least in Florida. I know. It had to make way for, maybe that was part of Harry Potter. I don't know. I know. But it's gone. Poor, poor shark. Poor shark. Poor King Kong. Buffy looks at the others. So something ripped him open and ate his insides? Mm-hmm. Like an Oreo cookie. Willow makes the comparison and then everyone turns to look at her. She then adds <laughs> that, you know, without the chocolatey goodness... Giles says that for the moment, Snyder has asked the faculty to keep things quiet so as not to upset the students. And by students, Xander points out, he means swim team. Of course, we can't upset our precious swim team. You know, one of them one of them died and Yeah, you know. No big yeah. deal. Where's where's Dodd at? Where 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 is he? Oh, you know, we found his skin on the beach. He's just, he's just taking some time off. He's he's taking a nap. But it means they're looking nap. for a beastie, one that eats humans whole, save for the skin. Buffy says, that doesn't make any sense. And Xander says, yeah, the skin is the best part. <laughs> my my kid would my kid would agree that the skin is the best part. It is. He loves he loves eating the skin off that chicken. Any demons with high cholesterol? Just <laughs> just stares at Buffy and she tells him that he's gonna think about that later and he's gonna laugh. I love Giles. <laughs> In the steam room, Cameron sits clearing out his sinuses as coach ordered. And I don't know, maybe that's what we need here. We need like a steam room. We need a steam room, yeah. Because the weather here, my sinuses are all over the place. So anyway, bad. this steam room is, of course, located in or adjacent to the creepy locker room of doom. Oh, and so the camera keeps cutting good. between the two. 
until eventually Cameron hears a sound, kind of like clanking metal. It's a sound that just so happens to coincide with an ominous shadow making its way towards the room. But as it turns out, it's just the coach telling Cameron he's had enough and to hit the shower. Xander makes his way down the hall, headed for the soda machine, which is still 60 cents and I forever feel old. I know, I know. As he walks, he mutters something about too much research, need beverage. (laughs) And of course, because he's Xander and so is his life, he literally runs into Cameron, who tells him to watch where he's going. This causes Xander to mock about all, I'm sorry, your swim teamliness. Cameron starts to walk away, calling Xander a loser. And Xander says he likes the nose. It's a good look for him. (laughs) And what's that supposed to mean? It means it looks like Buffy's not on his list of privileges after all. He loves when she messes with them. Cameron tells Xander it's a good thing he's hungry. Cafeteria's closed. Yeah, not to him. You know what? Again, I love Xander. Xander is the best. Like, he is defending his Buffy... And he's going to come through at the end. He's just, he's a good Xander. He is a good Xander. I mean, you've been with us long enough, people. You know we are pro-Xander. If you're not pro-Xander, you're probably not listening. (laughs) No, you probably ducked out long ago. Oh, they probably ducked out at least during the pack. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So off he goes to the cafeteria, where he seems to smell the same foul smell that Gage did on the beach. Meanwhile, Xander's trying to decide between grape and orange, or is it orange and grape? Anyway, before he can select a soda, he hears screaming, and so he too dashes towards the cafeteria. The place is empty, chairs and tables askew, and right in the middle of the mess is another steaming skin suit. For a moment, Xander looks like he's going to be sick. But then he turns to leave, running right into one of the gill monsters! It roars, and Xander screams. Back in the library... Cordelia is trying to draw what Xander saw while he describes it to her. Though it seems she's not quite capturing some of the features. (laughs) As Xander keeps saying, it needs more teeth. Did we know Cordelia (laughs) could draw? I think this is the first we've seen of her, like, expressing any artistic talent. Like, in the studio arts genre. But she's really good. Yeah, Yeah, no, she, she has a great, she's got a great talent. Again, like, you find out so many different things about Cordelia. I love the look of the Gill Monsters. The Gill I Monsters do. are... They look fantastic. This is this is one of their best prosthetics for, for this early in the show's run. As she tells Xander that, tells him she's doing the best that she can. Giles catches a glimpse of the drawing. He asks Xander if that's really what he saw. Yes! Well, mostly. Is he sure? It was hard to tell. It was dark. And the thing went out the window so fast. Plus, with a smirk, Cordelia tells him to go on. Say it. Say he ran away like a woman. Xander tells her that if she saw that thing, she'd run away like a woman too. (laughs) Buffy and Willow return then, having gone to get something from the school records. Seems Buffy had a hunch and they followed it. Turns out Dot and Cameron were the two best swimmers on the team, first and second. Which means there's a good chance that Gage, the third best swimmer on the team, could be next. Cordelia says it's so sad. They're never going to win now. It's like she's (laughs) lost all will to cheerlead. Xander says to raise a hand if you feel her pain. (laughs) Ignoring them, Giles says that looking at the pattern before them, it could mean someone is out for revenge. Yeah, Buffy adds, and that someone could have summoned the sea monster whence forth it came to exact that revenge. (laughs) What? Whence forth? She's been spending too much time with Giles. Yeah. Okay, but who hates on the swim team that much? The moment Xander's done asking the question, all eyes are on him. Besides him. (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, Willow says, what about Jonathan? He was bullied by Dodd the other night. 
And he did tell Buffy he could handle it himself. Buffy tells Willow to interrogate him. Her? She'll crack him like an egg. Buffy, meanwhile, will discreetly keep an eye on Gage. And Xander, what should he do? Cordelia says he could go out to the parking lot and practice running like a man. Harsh, Cordelia. Oh, Cordy. That, that, that was a little harsh. That's, that's, you're, you're, we love you, Cordy, but you're being a little harsh. Let's just say Buffy's idea of discreet is not the best. <laughs> we knew that. We knew we, do, we did know that. Not, we did know that, you know, she, she wears a trench coat and sunglasses. She's not good at subtle. Because as Gage sits in the student lounge playing on his Game Boy, Game Boy, oh, whew, Game Boy. Oh. Buffy sits at one of the tables nearby, all but staring at him and then hiding herself beside an upside down magazine <laughs> when he looks over. Oh my God. Buffy, you are bad at this. Willow, on the other hand, is making good on her promise to crack poor Jonathan, shining a light in his face like they do on all the crime shows. <laughs> She is not good at this either. <laughs> well, no, she's actually pretty good. Well, I mean, it's she's it's just so dramatic. Oh, it is. It's very dramatic. Yeah. He tried out for the swim team twice, but never made it. He's asthmatic. He couldn't keep up. He resented it, didn't he? Maybe. Hated being pushed around by Dot and the others. So? So he wanted revenge, didn't he? Didn't he? Yeah, okay, he did. <laughs> he delved into the dark arts and conjured forth a hellbeast from the ocean's death to wreak havoc, didn't he? What? No, Poor he John. broke in yesterday and peed in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Jonathan. <laughs> oh, ew. Oh, ew. <laughs> Near the lounge, Snyder and the coach oh. come through the doors. The coach doesn't know what he's going to do. How can he ask the rest of the team to compete after... Snyder says he knows it's hard and that it's hard to imagine two finer people than Cameron and the other one. <laughs> but Snyder thinks they would want their friends to succeed, their team to win. It all depends on tryouts, the coach says. If they can't find someone during tryouts this afternoon, then it doesn't really matter. They can't compete. Snyder says they'll find someone. All he has to do is wear a swimsuit. Cue Xander looking very interested. Yeah. Almost like he's forming some sort of plan. Oh, hmm, wonder what Xander could be planning. At the bronze, Buffy continues to keep an eye on Gage as he plays pool. I love that the little bakery display stand Buffy is sitting next to is stacked with animal cracker boxes. Oh my god. It's just so cute. <laughs> There's this, there, you know what, for, for all that there are some heavy moments in this episode, there are some moments that are just simply delightful. Yes. And the one, one coming up is probably one of the best moments. <laughs> She continues to sneak closer, and finally, Gage just comes over. This whole <laughs> me and my shadow thing she has going on, he's tired of it. What does she want from him? At first, she tries to say that she's a swim groupie, but as he's clearly not buying that, she tells the truth. There's something out there, and she thinks it's after him. Uh-huh. And she thinks this, why? Because it already attacked some people, killed some people. Right. She's one twisted sister. She knows that, right? Cameron told him about her games, and he's not here for it. Leaving, he heads outside, muttering something about bitch, which causes Angelus oh. to come creeping out of the shadows. He must be talking about Buffy Summers. <laughs> How does he know Buffy? They had a thing once. Biggest mistake of his life. Yeah, well, his condolences. She's a real head tripper. Think she's God's gift or something. Right? What does she think she is? The chosen one? Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> what she needs is someone to knock her down a peg. That would be sweet. Anyone in mind? 
Angela says it just so happens he's recruiting. Then all vamp face, he goes to bite Gage. <laughs> That's when Buffy comes out of the club. Hearing Gage's screams, she heads in that direction. But before she even arrives, Angelus is backing off and spitting out Gage's blood. The shock of whatever was in there allows Buffy to get a good kick to his face. And as he's blown back, she pulls out her hair stick, readying to use it as a makeshift stake. Pressed, Angelus tells her she's beautiful before picking up Gage and launching him at Buffy. Then he slinks away into the shadows, still trying to get the taste of Gage's blood out of his mouth. <laughs> Getting to his feet, Gage asks if that's the thing that killed Cameron. No, that's something else. Something else? Yeah, they have a lot of something else's in this town. Buffy starts yep. to leave, but Gage jogs to catch up with her. Walk him home? Do <laughs> uh, One, Wentworth's Britishness was showing a bit in that scene. This, yes, yes. This is the scene where, where that comes out. And two, Twisted Sister. I also, I'm I'm also going to mention Me and My Shadow. Oh, yeah. I didn't really think yeah. about that one, so, but yes. yes. So Twisted yes. Sister, a clear reference to the heavy metal band from Long Island. Uh, they're best known for two of their songs, We're Not Gonna Take It and I Wanna Rock. And also their videos are known to have a bit of slapstick humor in them. Yes. So tell us about Me and My Shadow, Froggy. Me and My Shadow was a song written in 1927. It is credited to Al Jolson and one of the most popular versions of the song is a duet in 1962 by Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yep. So and there's a lot this was actually recorded by quite a few people. Jeff Goldblum and Sarah Silverman and Till Bronner in 1918. And <laughs> wow. Hey, yep. James Kahn did it in 1975 and Funny Lady. Michael Ball and Antonio Banderas in 2003. Oh, wow. I gotta look up that one. I gotta, yeah, yeah. Definitely have to look that one up because, well, Michael Ball and Antonio Banderas. All right. It's the moment we've been waiting for. Okay. Swim we've practice. Been, we've, been, we've been talking about this. Yes. As the swimmers do laps, Buffy, Willow, and Cordelia sit in the stands eating popcorn and chatting. All the pool scenes were filmed in the physical education building at USC or the University of Southern California. Which is why it looks like there it looks like Sunnydale has one of the best pools ever for a high school. As Gage swims by them, he actually stops and waves to Buffy, who waves <laughs> back. I love when when people who are assholes in this show, when Buffy helps them mm -hmm. and they become nice to her. It causes the coach to scold him and soon Gage is on his way as Cordelia is questioning why Angelus spit out the blood. Buffy says maybe there was something in it he didn't like. Something like steroids? Willow mm. says it would explain their behavior changes. Yeah, and their winning streak, Cordelia adds. They wonder if maybe whatever's in their blood is attracting the creature to them. Any luck finding something on it? Cordelia shakes her head. Nope, nada. No sea demons that matched. But then, you know, Chicken Little's description wasn't all that. <laughs> she stops as guitar riffs start playing and someone strides out of the locker room in a Speedo. Cordelia's admiring the view, the camera panning up until it reveals that said person is Xander. Xander? Xander? <laughs> all three girls call his name and he suddenly becomes very aware of how little he is wearing, <laughs> grabbing a paddleboard to cover it. What is he doing there? He's undercover. Not under much. <laughs> Sarah's little laugh as she says that line is adorable. <laughs> this whole this whole scene, the way that they that they frame it with the three girls sitting there and him walking in 
And mm-hmm. you, you like, you know that he was going to do it. Uh huh. But the way that they filmed it, and the, I also have to say, like, the way that they filmed it is also a great flipping of the trope when a woman walks into a room. Yes. And all the, and all the men are looking at it, and it's doing that music and that slow pan. Yep. Oh, it's so, so good. It's, it's a great way to, to completely flip that. And also, he looks so confident when he he's does. walking in. We're going to talk looks, about that in a second because he was not. Yeah, but. he looks he looks he looks so confident until his friends uh-huh. call his name. <laughs> Cordelia tells him to get out of there before someone catches him impersonating a member of the swim team. He tells them he doesn't do impersonations. He tried out last night and he made it. He's on the team. Really? Cordelia looks pleased by this. Yeah, he figured he could keep an eye on Gage and the others when Buffy couldn't. Like when they're nude? Willow just can't help herself. And Buffy kind of nudges her in that, hello, you're being way obvious way. Changing. She she means changing. Before anything else can be said, the coach calls to Xander, telling him to flirt on his own time. He says, okay, leaving the girls to go join the others. And Cordelia watches him go. She's dating a member of the Sunnydale High swim team. She can now die happy. Oh, Buffy turns to Willow. What about Jonathan? Did he have anything to do with it? No, he just uh, peed in the pool. This confession comes about the time Xander is diving in. Ew. (laughs) This scene is the one that Nikki listed as his favorite on-screen moment. Yeah. He said the cast and the crew were just so supportive that he was terrified to do it. Just four minutes of pure hell, apparently. Yeah. But when he got out of the water, everyone just started applauding and it it just felt so nice to have everyone behind him. Yeah, it it is. It is such a great it is definitely a great iconic moment for for Xander. And I mean, they they put it in the opening credits. Yeah. Yeah. It's another credit scene. It's another credit scene. So and and he looks because they, they take the moment when it pans up to his face and he looks confident. He does. So even though Nikki wasn't feeling it, he did a really good job. And then again, it's hilarious because it breaks that moment when the girls call his name. Yes. And suddenly, suddenly he's not confident. In the steam room, Xander joins the others after practice, rambling about how it must seem a bit claustrophobic in there, and they can't do anything, not even read. While this is happening, some very creature-like hands come out of a grate in the locker room, moving it to the side. When the steam is done, Xander comes out to the hall to find Buffy, waiting for him and Gage. She asks where Gage is, and Xander says he's right behind. He was just putting his shoes on. But as it's not the Velcro kind, maybe they need to give him a few minutes. (laughs) He then tags Buffy in and heads off. Gage is, in fact, putting on his shoes, sitting on a bench in the creepy locker room of doom, lacing them up. (sighs) Nothing good happens in the locker room. No, never. He once again smells that weird odor. Making sure it's not him, he heads off in search of the source, which, oh, oh, Gage. Gage, Oh, baby. Bye, baby. The search takes him to a locker and he pulls it open to reveal... We don't know, actually. As the camera goes back to Buffy pacing. But when she hears Gage scream, she's headed for the locker room. What she finds is Gage facing off with one of the gill monsters. She shoves him back and faces the monster herself, only something else is wrong. Gage seems to be in terrible pain. And as Buffy tries to check on him, well, he begins tearing his clothes off. His clothes and then his skin to reveal (laughs) another form underneath. The gill monster. So the swim team isn't being eaten by the monsters. They're turning into them. Now, finally a gill monster. Gage takes a swipe as 
Buffy as she finds herself stuck between the two of them. Thankfully, the locker room is also full of things like trash cans and lacrosse sticks, which she can (laughs) use to try and beat them back. It's hard, though, and one of them actually manages to bite her before the coach shows up. He helps her out, and the two gill monsters escape through the grate. Just a short note about that script, that scene. Uh, adding to Wentworth's general sense of being completely overwhelmed, <laughs> when they did the transformation scene and he has to tear away the flesh on his chest, the makeup artist told him they only had one of those flesh pieces. So he had to be careful and not screw up because they only had one chance to get it right. Poor boy. Right? Like your first on-screen acting job. Yeah, and this yeah, is what you're you, doing. You, like literally, like let's let's make this poor boy's stress level more difficult. You did good, baby. You did good. We're he proud did of real you. good. He did. In the nurse's office, the nurse patches up Buffy's wound. She doesn't think she'll need stitches, but Buffy might want to have her family physician look at it just in case. In the corner, Giles hovers, worrying. He asks if Buffy's okay, and she says she is definitely feeling the burn. The coach is there too, and they inform him of their good news, bad news situation. Good news. None of his swim team actually died. Bad news? They're monsters. (laughs) The coach wonders how this could happen. He doesn't know. How could this happen? No. You know, you start to win and you you think it's you. That you're inspiring them. Getting through. You never think. And he didn't think to ask the boys if they were on something. He admits maybe he was afraid to. Oh, he's good. I I almost believe him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I really, I really believed him. I thought it was going to be the team did something. In the computer classroom, Buffy, Xander, and Willow look up the swim team's medical records, which I'm pretty sure is mildly illegal, even if they're just the school's medical records. But hey, sometimes you need to do crime, right? And like, they've done, they've. (laughs) Willow's done enough crime. Yeah, but but Willow's good with crime. She's she's old hat at this now. In looking through their records, they see that all three boys, Dodd, Cameron, and Gage, have things in their file that are consistent with steroid abuse. Which does lead to a bit of a very special conversation when Willow asks why the boys would take them if they knew steroids were harmful. They wanted to win. Winning equals trophies, prestige for the school. Willow saw how they were treated. It's been like that forever. Oh, yeah, Xander agrees. The discus throwers always got the best seats at the crucifixions. Meanwhile, (laughs) there Buffy is, fighting the forces of evil, and her French teacher can't even remember her name. (laughs) So what's next? They hit up the nurse, and Buffy's pretty sure she's gone home for the day. But maybe Xander can try to find out what these boys are taking, or at least how they're taking it. She and Giles are going to go fishing. And go fishing they do. The two of them wandering through the sewer tunnels with a tranquilizer gun, most likely the same one they used in phases. Wow, we are calling back to that episode a lot in our discussion today. Oh, yeah. <sighs> I mean, you, you only have, they, they they only have, you know, so many tranquilizer guns that they're going to be able to use. So, this is of true. course, it's going to be the same one. But while they don't find anything, except a rat. <laughs> of course, you're in the sewers. Yeah. One of the gill monsters seems to have found them as it watches from the shadows. Meanwhile, in the steam room, Xander awkwardly tries to find out how the guys are getting their steroids. Turns out it's in the steam. He and the rest of the team have been soaking in it. And the guy who tells him this is none other than Shane West. Yes. Who became fairly well known in the early 2000s. Yeah, I had I had forgotten that he was in this until because I always remembered Wentworth. Yeah, and I mean he's he's in so little of it, you don't really see. I yeah. mean he may be in the background of some scenes, but you don't really see him till this point. Because this yeah, is the first yeah. scene that I was able to be like, oh hey, that's Shane West. 
Yeah. Um, but yes, he became fairly well known in the early 2000s for movies such as A Walk to Remember and Get Over It. More recently, he's done television shows such as Nikita, Salem, and even Gotham. That that scene with Xander where he's asking yeah. about the is a very is a very like how are you doing, fellow kids? Oh my god, yes. Moment. It's the Xander like he almost of- like, fellow youths. It's it's so it's so like undercover cop. Yes. Asking about <laughs> where to get some drugs. <laughs> By the pool, Nurse Ruthie argues with the coach. She doesn't want to continue dosing the boys, thinks the resulting consequences aren't worth it. They're turning them into monsters. The coach walker doesn't see it that way. All they need to do is adjust the mixture. She continues to plead with him as they descend down towards his office and a storagey type room with a hatch leading down to the tunnels. I think it's the pump room for yeah. the pool because in the stage directions in the script at one point when the, which we'll see later, there's a gun and the gun is laying on something. David Fury actually wrote into the script things. He's like, I don't know what's in a pump room. It's laying on something. <laughs> <laughs> So I think I think they're in a pump room. They're common. They're, the the writer's commentary in in stage notes. Yeah, it's so always, good. It's so good. Like somebody else, the prop department and the the set department will figure this out later. He's already lost three boys. Lost. He pushes her down the hatch into the sewers. As she lands in the water, she asks what he's doing. He's just looking out for his boys. They may be out of the game right now, but they're still a team, and the team's got to eat. Calling her a quitter, he closes her in and walks away. She stands alone in the water, terrified, until she's pulled under the water by one or more gill monsters. In the library, Xander paces while Giles sits cleaning his glasses. As he stands, he muses out loud about the team absorbing the steroid mixture through the skin. Not the team, him, Xander. (laughs) They need to find an antidote. Now, clock's ticking, people. (laughs) Buffy tells him not to break out the tartar sauce just yet. It's not like he was exposed more than once. Twice? Xander replies with three. Three times a fish guy. Which (laughs) is a play on the title Three Times a Lady, which is a song. Yes. Oh, what is he going to do? Him? A few feet away, Cordelia worries about her own fate. What about her? It's one thing to date the lame, unpopular guy. It's another to date the creature from the Blue Lagoon. Black Lagoon. (laughs) The creature from the Blue Lagoon is Brooke Shields. Blue Lagoon is a 1980s romantic survival drama in which two young cousins end up stranded on a desert island alone. Yeah. Uh, Because they're the only two there, they end up falling in love with one another and start a family. It's it's a very strange movie. They're all like women naked and making love while there's like human sacrifice happening on the other side of the island. Look, look, everybody, the 80s were a weird, weird time. We had Blue Lagoon. We had Flowers in the Attic. Well, I mean, Flowers in the Attic is based on a book. Like, that's just V.C. Andrews being V.C. Andrews. Yeah, it's still a weird time, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's Rotten Tomatoes score is pretty low, but then it also received an Oscar nomination for its cinematography. So I I don't know. I mean, it I mean, it is I've seen it once. It is a beautifully shot movie. 
Okay. Because you have, because it's on, you're on an island and, you know, I wonder what was out, I wonder what it was up against. That's something that I'll have to check off screen. But yeah, it is, cinematography, I can understand it getting a Oscar for that. But yeah, it it's, it's just, it's weird. <laughs> it's the, the 80s was a very strange time. Buffy says they should probably find the rest of the swim team and lock them up before they also get in touch with their inner halibut. Giles agrees and says they also need to find out what is in the steroid mixture so that the hospital toxicology lab can start developing an antidote. Willow once again offers to talk to the nurse. She is really getting into this whole interrogation thing. She says the secret is not to leave any marks. <laughs> well, <laughs> while she does that, Buffy's going to go talk to the coach, who says she has quite the imagination. Right now, she's imagining him in jail. In one of those orange jumpsuits. And oh, look, the guards are beating him up. What's in the steam? He tells her that after the fall of the Soviet Union, some documents came to light. Experimentation with fish DNA being placed into their Olympic swimmers. They could never crack the code. But the coach did. Why? Why does she think? For the win. Yeah, well, there's not going to be any more wins or any more swim team. He's done. When they were handing out school spirit, she didn't even get in line, did she? No. Sadly, she was standing in line for shred of sanity turning towards a desk or something. Again, don't know what's in a pump room. Don't know. Yeah. The coach grabs a gun, aiming it at Buffy. She sees he skipped that line. So this is one of those fascinating episodes, like subassembly of a required or Ted, because really there's nothing supernatural here. There's no lore for Giles to explain. This is science gone wrong. Yeah, this is this is a very science fiction-y type episode. And even more fascinating is that it is based on Actual Soviet experiments. Yes. Uh, Ilya Ivanovich Ivanov, he was a Soviet biologist who at one point believed that super soldiers could be created by combining human and ape DNA and using artificial insemination. I I don't think it specifies whether he thought the human I don't I don't know who he was artificially inseminating. I don't think anything specified that. Uh, and he actually planned out these experimented experiments and like presented on them to the World Congress of Biology. Like he was super serious about this, as apparently was Stalin. Yeah. But it was delayed by the death of his last orangutan, and so thankfully no trials were ever done. But yeah, no, based on actual weird fucking science. It. Yeah. It's crazy. There's there was so much weird fucking science, especially in places like the 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 former Soviet Union. Yeah. Pointing the gun at her, he orders her into the hole, which apparently has just been sitting open this whole time. (laughs) She gets in, but not before promising him this isn't over. As she drops down into the water, the coach tells her that she might think he doesn't care about his boys. But he does. Which is when the nurse's corpse goes floating by. What? He's just gonna feed her to them? Oh, they already ate. But boys have other needs. So the coach just threw Buffy down there to get gang raped by fish monsters oh. I, I i'm i'm not even sure i have I have words for that besides oh. you know rage and yelling what the fuck about 120 times oh. jesus fuck Ugh. this guy yes this, this, fucking this, guy. this guy yeah basically this fucking guy this fucking guy like he was gross to begin with uh-huh and then he just got grosser Cordelia and Xander look for swim team members by the pool, but find none, Willow and Giles having rounded all of them up. Xander keeps worrying that his neck looks scaly, and Cordelia tells him, yeah, of course it does. He's been rubbing it raw. (laughs) 
He disappears into the bathroom to check while Cordelia paces the pool area. I will say, I I love the look Cordelia has going on here. The button down with the jumper and the knee socks and the heels. It's so cute. Yes. Behind her, a gill monster jumps into the pool. Not seeing him, she assumes it's Xander. And then seeing him swimming along, she assumes it's Xander having turned into a gill monster. She walks along as the monster swims, talking about how she admired his bravery and going undercover and how hot he looked in his Speedos. And it doesn't matter what he looks like. She still loves him. And they can still date if he wants. But she understands if he wants to see other fish. Either way, she's going to do whatever she can to make his quality of life better. Little bath toys. Xander comes up behind her then and says, that's not him. What? The gill monster lunges for them and they run off screaming. (laughs) That was so sweet. (laughs) So apparently the prosthetics, as cool as they were, made it very hard to do this scene. To do, like, actual swimming. Because, obviously, the boys are being injected with this DNA or having it absorbed through their skin to make them super fast swimmers. So, in his head, David Fury had it that, like, especially within the monsters, they're just, like, lightning speeding through the water. Mm -hmm. But when you have a rubber suit that's filling up with water as you're trying to swim and you're, like, kind of sinking, it makes it very, very hard. Yes, so, it's, it's definitely one of those things that work better in your head. Yes. So that's why, like, the monster isn't swimming very fast. It yeah. still looked really cool, and it gave Cordelia cool. time to do that monologue. Yeah. But it's it's why it's not swimming very fast. Also, I love Cordelia's monologue. I love that it shows that she really does. She really has fallen in love with Xander at this point. Yes. She does deeply yes. care for him. Because the old Cordelia... Would have been like, you know what? See ya. Nope, you're gross. First season, Cordelia would have dipped out. Or she might have even, like, I could even see her saying that she wouldn't stand by him. Yeah. But actually, she would. I I just, yeah. Again, she grew. She grew. In the library, Willow and Giles usher the swim team into the cage. Okay. (laughs) Jackie (laughs) and I used to talk about this scene all the time. How much we love it because they're so casual about it. They're like, hello, get into our cage. And this one seems like, yeah, sure, this is normal. <laughs> I just, it's just, it's like, it's the stupidest little moment, but it gives us so much joy. And it's just like, it is. please it's, enter our cage. It is so good. It's, <sighs> yeah, they're for, for all that there's a lot of bad elements about this episode, there are some really good things. <laughs> Giles tells them to hang tight. They're working on the <laughs> antidote. Looking over the team roster, Willow says everyone is accounted for except Sean. As Xander and Cordelia enter, they tell Willow they found Sean. He was in the pool, skinless dipping. Where's Buffy? She hasn't come back yet. As she's still in the water with the gill monsters. As she wanders around looking for a way out, she comments that this is just what her reputation needs. That she did it with the whole swim team. She jumps a time or two, trying to see if she has any hope of reaching the grate. But as she does so, she becomes aware of the gill monsters moving towards her, all of which is being watched by the coach, who Xander comes up behind, asking, what's so funny? In return, the coach asks him how he's feeling. A little dry. Nothing a little lemon butter sauce won't cure. (laughs) 
Xander then asks where Buffy is, causing the coach's gaze to go to the gun that is still laying near. Down below, the gill monsters move in on Buffy and she begins fighting them off, while the coach goes for the gun and he and Xander begin to struggle. Xander eventually manages to hit him so that he goes down, which gives him a moment to help out Buffy, which is good because the gill monsters have organized and are now coming at her all at once. Leaning over the hole, Xander reaches down and tells Buffy to grab his hands. It's a bit touch and go, but he manages to pull her out. She thanks him and he says he's just doing his part for their team. That's when the coach comes to, hitting Xander with a wrench and going to hit Buffy. Thankfully, she dodges so that he begins to fall into the hole. She catches him by his foot, or tries to anyway. He ends up falling in. And to her credit, Buffy does extend a hand to help him. But it's too late. The gill monsters have circled up and gone on the attack. So there's um, a little bit of people have discussed like the line that comes here when Buffy's like, oh, they seem to really love their coach. I'm going to clarify that the script does say there are eating noises. Yes. They they ate him. It, it's they not him. It's not the other thing that he threw Buffy down there for. The script no. is very clear no. on the fact that they ate the coach. Yeah, yeah. I always I always assumed that it was that I did too. I didn't assume it was anything else till I saw people talk yeah. about it. And then I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure they ate him. So yes, yes. script does clarify they ate him. That yes. <sighs> yeah. And they were probably gonna eat Buffy too. Yeah. 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 In the student lounge, a day or so later, Xander talks about how he has a makeup test, and then he and some of the other guys have to go for plasma treatments after. Buffy remarks how the fun never stops for him. (laughs) Willow says Giles seems pretty confident the treatment's going to work. That's good, because Xander did not have turning into a creepy crawly on his list of things to do before he turns 20. (laughs) Cordelia tells Xander that he's really proven himself to her, and he doesn't have to join the new team next year if he doesn't want. She'd be just as happy if he played football. <laughs> oh, Cordelia. <laughs> Cordy. Now, see, swimming is good for him because he's long and lanky and I doesn't know. have body hair. I kind of wish we had gotten, like, some acknowledgement that he did go back and do the team the next year. Yeah. Yeah. Giles arrives then, saying the people from Animal Control just finished their sweep. The creatures seem to have fled. Does that mean they're going to have to hunt them again? No. Buffy says she doesn't think they'll be seeing them again. Why? Where would they have gone? Home. And she's right, because for our very last scene, we get a peaceful shot of the ocean and four gill monsters swimming out to sea. Yeah. And yeah, I like that ending. I do like that ending. Especially because these kids didn't ask to be turned into gill monsters. No. This was one of those things where it happened against their will. They weren't they weren't doing the steroids. No. The steroids were being put into them. So they were victims as much as, you know, Buffy being attacked and, Zan- you know, Xander was was being pumped through full of this stuff. So I am glad that they escaped and just swam out into the ocean. I mean, a couple of them were were dicks. Yeah, but you also like now you have to wonder were they always the, dicks or if it was the steroids? Because if it was the steroids. Yeah. They do mention behavior changes at some point yeah. in the episode. Yeah. So So that might be yeah. So they might have been okay until they were being pumped. And and that's that's another side effect of steroids. Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad I'm glad they didn't have to. I'm glad they didn't have to be Yes. They weren't killed. They just they went just get and, to and go. also like they live their best fishy you know, life. They, yeah, just, you know, just go be fishes, boys. Maybe you'll find fish ladies. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe they will just yes. make happy little fish family. Yes. We, we like to, we like, we like happy endings. I mean, relatively happy endings. 
Yeah. So we mentioned at the top of this episode that Go Fish was inspired by such classic monsters as the creature from the Black Lagoon. And David Fury, who wrote the episode, says as much because when he wrote this episode, he was still a freelancer. And so he didn't have a lot of the lore to work with. He wasn't privy to a lot of things because he wasn't officially part of the writer's room yet. So he chose something classic. And he said this was part Creature from the Black Lagoon and part the H.P. Lovecraft story, The Shadow Over Mm -hmm. Innsmouth. And he blames the effect these things had over him on being a Pisces. (laughs) Also, apparently the reason H.P. Lovecraft wrote about so many sea creatures and fish people is that he loathed seafood. Like, you learn something new every day. So I, I should be writing more fish stories because you should I be writing more fish stories because I can't eat seafood. Yes. Holly, more fish stories, more fish stories. OK, I'll I'll uh, I'll put that down for 2022. There you go. All right. That's it for this week. Thank you all for listening and make sure to join us next time when we take on season two, episode 21, becoming part oh, one. We are getting there. Just two more, two more regular episodes. Yeah. So we've got two more regular episodes. Then we'll do a season roundup and then we'll go on hiatus for a little bit, uh, partially to let us get a jump start on season three and partially because Hallie Rose from Plot What Plot will be staying with me <gasps> in the later part of February. So I'm not going to want to be spending all my time editing. And I will be, I will be visiting. You'll be visiting. Yeah. So a lot of stuff will be going on next month. So we're going to, We'll go into short hiatus and probably come back just about the time it's time to talk about the 25th anniversary of Buffy. But we'll update you guys more on the schedule as we get closer to it. Until then, check out our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchesdiaries at gmail.com. Bye. Bye. Bye.